This is the Craft Seller Success Podcast from Tin Teddy. Episode number 30. Shipping, Postage and Delivery for Craft Sellers. Welcome to the Craft Seller Success Podcast. Helping craft sellers sell their crafts. Hi, I'm Deborah Richardson from Tin Teddy. One thing that worries many new craft sellers is how to handle the posting, delivery or shipping of their craft products. In this episode of the Craft Seller Success Podcast, I'm going to be looking at some of the things you need to know to ensure your lovingly crafted products reach their new homes safely. I'll also be talking about lots of ideas to help you save money, time and stress. So even if you're an experienced craft seller with many sales under your belt, hopefully you'll still hear some handy hints and ideas in the next half hour. Just a quick word about, well, words. In this podcast, I'll be using the terms postage, shipping and delivery somewhat interchangeably. One or other may be the more usual term where you live. Logistics. There are some things that you need to consider before you can begin to post items out. Be aware of your options. Many of the postal issues that happen to online craft sellers are caused by a lack of research beforehand. Firstly, you'll probably have more than one postal or delivery service that you can commission to deliver your parcels. Take time to check what they offer in terms of what they'll deliver where they deliver to, how fast they are, how reliable they are, and, of course, how expensive they are. And you may find that using service A is cheapest for some of your products, but service B is much cheaper for some other products that you sell. Finding this out can really save you money in the long run. If you have somewhat unusual items, you may need to search a bit harder to find a convenient shipping option. For example, very large items may not be postable in the usual way. There are numerous delivery companies who will handle many types of parcels, though. Search online or ask on local online selling forums and social media groups for recommendations. Do decide exactly how you intend to ship a product before listing it for sale. You'll need to do this to quote an accurate shipping price to your customer. I've seen quite a few sad stories from new sellers who have failed to do their research up front and ended up very out of pocket when the shipping was more complicated and a lot more expensive than they imagined. Delivery times Be aware of your postal company's estimated delivery times so that you can communicate them to your potential customers within your online shop. Remember that they are estimates and never promise a customer that your products will reach them within a particular time period, unless you're prepared to refund if the parcel does not actually get there on time. Also, find out the thresholds at which the postal service will consider a parcel to be lost. This may be something you'll need to communicate to a customer at some point. Customers like it fast. Nowadays, many of your customers will be used to dealing with big companies like Amazon, who offer super-fast shipping. 
whilst most shoppers will appreciate that you are definitely not Amazon and not able to offer quite such impressive delivery times, anything you can do to speed up delivery will probably be appreciated and may give you an edge over your competition. But be careful to never make hard promises about delivery times in your marketing. Prohibited items You're probably aware that there are certain products that your country's postal service will not handle for various reasons. It's important that you check what those restricted items are now and then before trying to sell any of them online. The prohibited items can include weapons such as guns and knives, chemicals, some liquids, flammable items and body parts. If you're in any doubt that what you're selling might have an issue, double check. If you are unable to post on time. If there are likely to be any delays in your shipping the product, inform your customer right away. Problems do sometimes happen to the best of us. The important thing is communication. Most customers are understanding, as long as you are honest and keep them informed of the situation. Remind customers that they are responsible for providing you with a correct address. Your responsibility, as a retailer, is to ensure that the purchased products are delivered to the address supplied to you by the customer. You may want to remind your potential customers, in your shop policies or terms, that they must be careful to give you their correct, up-to-date address. If the parcel is delivered to an old or incorrect address, which was supplied by your customer, you're not responsible for any loss. You did your part of the deal by shipping to the address they provided. I'll be talking more about addresses later in this episode. Seller protection. If you sell via a marketplace site such as Etsy, or use a payment provider such as PayPal, you will probably be covered by some sort of seller protection. You'll need to find out what the terms of this protection are. For example, on Etsy, a seller is not obliged to refund a customer who claims that their parcel did not arrive if the seller has a valid tracking number that shows it did. An Etsy seller shipping internationally needs to provide proof of posting to be covered. This seller protection can never override your customer's consumer rights, though. Plus, in many cases, a seller may choose to waive some of it in the interest of providing excellent customer service. Just be sure you know what is on offer so you make the best decisions for your business and your customers. Offer customers a variety of options. You may want to offer your potential customers a variety of different shipping options at differing price points. Some people may be happy to pay extra for a faster service. Others may prefer to save a little and wait longer for their parcel. But don't offer postal insurance to your customers. It's illogical, as I'll be explaining in a few minutes. Batch to save money. Plan your posting times both to convenience your customers but also to save yourself time and money. Posting every day may win you sales because your competitors aren't making that promise. But if you have to drive to the post office with your parcels, posting every other day will cut your fuel bill in half. Don't underestimate your time either. Posting a little less often may save you time that you could be using better elsewhere in your business. Think carefully about it 
and find a balance between speed, economy and efficiency. Set postage times that are reasonable and that you can achieve. Also bear in mind that it takes you time to package and possibly to actually create an order for a customer. Be sure you're giving yourself adequate time to do this. Saying, I always ship your order the next day, is great. But if it means you'll be up all night, or will not be able to manage if you get a pile of unexpected orders, well, it could end up being a very messy situation. Be prepared to adjust your shipping times during busy periods. Many craft sellers do this. I personally feel that it's better to quote slightly longer posting times than you actually expect you'll need. This way, you have leeway in case of emergencies or large orders coming in. Plus, your customer is likely to be delighted when they get their parcel earlier than they expected. Packaging Back in episode 22, Packaging Your Craft Products, I spoke about many of the things that a craft seller needs to consider when packaging up a parcel to send through the post. I'm not going to repeat all that here, but we'll add a few extra hints and tips. Nowadays, most postal systems have some sort of mechanisation in place. In other words, your parcels will be handled by robots and machines. It's therefore important to take this into account when packaging up your precious creations. Some postal services recommend that sellers don't use black plastic to wrap their parcels. Whilst this is quite common practice, the black plastic can confuse the machines apparently. If you intend to do this, you may want to check the website of the postal service you use to see what they advise. Be careful not to have any areas of the parcel that could get caught in the machinery. This includes poorly fixed down flaps and labels, decorations such as ribbons and traditional parcel strings. If you can avoid these things, you give your parcel a better chance of surviving the mechanisation and getting to your customer as quickly as possible. Similarly, do not strap or stick separate parcels together to make one larger one. If you're combining pre-wrapped items, put them in a single box or wrap them together with brown paper. The parcel you post should be one solid item. This not only helps prevent machine damage, but also ensures that the items stay together for the duration of the journey. Environmental impact. In episode 22, I spoke about recycling packaging and other ways to try to ensure that our packaging makes as little impact on the environment as possible. This is not only important for our current world and the future, but also something that many customers are concerned about when buying online. If you're using recycled packaging, be aware of any smells from its previous life. I once bought a collector's doll in an auction. It arrived all the way from Korea safely but in a box that previously held fish products. Oh, it stank. Luckily, the doll didn't pick up the smell, but my kitchen sure did. Branding. Don't spell out that your item may be valuable. If you intend to have any branding for your craft business on the outside of your package, be careful not to advertise that the parcel may contain valuable items. A sticker saying, David's Designs, is not going to get any potential thieves particularly excited, unless they've heard of David's amazing designs, of course. But one that says David's jewels might sound more tempting. If your craft shop has a name that could encourage mail theft, perhaps it's best left off the package. 
individually wrap delicate items. British Postal Service Parcel Force recommends that all delicate items should be individually wrapped, and I know that many craft sellers swear by this advice. This can give a lot of extra protection. Addressing There are at least three things that must be on every parcel you send out. One of these is the postage charge, which I'll talk more about in a little while. The other two things are the address of the recipient who you're sending the parcel to, and the return address, in other words, your own address. Nowadays, many or indeed most parcels go through automated handling systems. This includes having a computer reading the address, not a person. Therefore, it's very important that you write or print the recipient's address very clearly on the front of the parcel. Whilst beautifully handwritten addresses in ornate calligraphy may be very in keeping with your craft business's branding, do bear in mind that parcels and envelopes that are embellished in this way may not be readable by the computer. This means the parcel is delayed whilst it's checked by a human. If shipping speed is a priority for you, keep your addresses clear and readable. Consider writing the address in water-soluble ink, so it won't smudge or disappear if the parcel gets damp. You can also get waterproof printer ink, and many label printers use this as standard. Many craft sellers cover the address with wide, clear, sticky plastic packing tape to protect it. If you're regularly sending out a lot of parcels, consider investing in a label printer, as this can be a lot faster than writing all your parcel addresses manually. The upfront investment and ongoing costs of sticky labels and ink may well be worth the significant time you save. You'll also have nice, professional-looking, easily read labels, and if you're copy-pasting them from the customer's orders, you may also lessen the chances of making an error than when you're writing them yourself. If you're concerned that a customer's address doesn't look quite right, you can check it by typing it into Google Maps. Return address. You must put a return address on all your parcels and envelopes. If the parcel is undeliverable for any reason, without a return address, the postal service will not be able to get it back to you. There are many reasons it may not be delivered. These include an incorrect address, damage to the address or the parcel, natural disasters, and the customer not collecting a parcel from a sorting office. Whilst you may have to refund your customer if the parcel is not delivered, at least if it's returned to you, then you may not be quite so out of pocket. I definitely recommend investing in some pre-printed return address labels. You can order them from many different sources, and they're usually pretty economical. You can also buy sticky label paper and print your own, which is even more economical, and you can design them to match your branding, etc. Mine are printed in the purple colour I use throughout Tinteddy. Popping a sticky label on is much faster than having to write out your address on every parcel, plus it looks smart and readable. A handy hint. Don't forget to add your country to the return address if you sell internationally. Otherwise, the postal services may well assume you're in the same country as the recipient, and confusion and delays could ensue. A friend had to wait months for a parcel to be returned to her in Birmingham, England because it was boinging around the postal service out in Birmingham, Alabama, USA. Receipts 
In some countries, it's actually a legal requirement to include a receipt with your product. I personally always include one for many reasons. The biggest are, one, if the addresses on the outside of the parcel are damaged or incorrect, the postal service can use an address on the receipt to get the parcel to safety. Two, many people will expect one, and some feel that a business is somewhat less, well, professional if they don't provide one. This expectation does vary depending on the business type, by the way. Three, the receipt is a great opportunity to reinforce your branding, provide your customer with important information, and even to have a little subtle marketing included, and that's a lot of benefits for just one wee piece of paper. Anyway, I'm not going to go into all the reasons why I think a receipt may be a good addition to craft sellers' parcels. I'll talk more about this in a later episode. For now, if you're interested, you could check out my blog post on the Tinteddy blog. A receipt with your parcel, yes or no? Cost of postage. In many countries, there are multiple companies that offer postal services for craft sellers. They may have very different options available so you'll need to do a little research to find which is best for you and your products. Remember that cheapest may not always be the best. Sometimes a service that is just a little more expensive will include valuable extras, such as postal insurance or tracking. More on those in a minute. Learn your options. Nowadays there are many ways to purchase postage. For envelopes and small parcels, you may use good old-fashioned sticky stamps. These are generally available in a wide range of shops, and if your parcel fits in a public post box, can be a very simple way to handle your shipping. This system, however, does not include any sort of proof of postage, and that is something you may require. And if your parcels are larger or vary in size and weight, you may not be able to do this at all. Many postal companies have a way to buy postage online and print a label out on your own printer. You may also be able to purchase postal insurance at the same time. More on insurance in a moment. PayPal has its own postal label service, as does online craft marketplace Etsy. However, services like this may not be available for all countries. Pick up from home. Some postal services can pick up your parcels from your home, studio or other business location. This may only be an option if you have quite a lot of parcels, but you may be pleasantly surprised. A franking machine. If you send out a large number of parcels, you could consider having your own franking machine. This usually allows you to enjoy reduced postage rates, but there may be significant upfront costs. Some countries allow franking machines that produced personalised, branded postal franks. Free shipping. I'm not going to get into the great debate about free shipping right now. There are arguments for and against whether to include the cost of the postage in your main item price or show it separately. For more on the pros and cons of so-called free shipping, check out episode 25, Promotions sales and multi-buys for craft sellers, where I spoke quite a bit about it. Buy scales and a ruler or tape measure. Most postal services base their postage price on the weight and dimensions of the parcel. I'd strongly advise that you consider investing in some scales, 
so you are aware of exactly how much your parcels weigh. You can buy shipping scales, but for most craft sellers you can save money by using cheaper alternatives. Smaller items are usually fine if weighed on normal kitchen scales. Very large items may be weighable on bathroom scales. Also, get yourself a ruler or tape measure so you can be sure of the dimensions of the parcel. And remember that the wrapped parcel may be quite a bit larger than the basic item itself. Here in the UK, some types of small packages can go at a lower postal rate if they'll fit through certain sized slots. You can buy templates of these slots, and there's a link to the one that I own in the show notes. Or you could make your own from Strong Card using the dimensions on the Royal Mail website. Sometimes rearranging the way you package multiple items can save money. For example, with the slots I just mentioned, arranging small items in a long row within an envelope may be much cheaper to post than if the same items were grouped in a cube shape in a small box. A bit of time experimenting with your products, packaging and postal services criteria can help you save on postal fees and prevent expensive product pricing errors. Investments of tools such as scales and rulers can easily pay for themselves very quickly. Avoid free items that affect postage. Whilst it can be tempting to include a little free gift or extra product in with each sale, especially for a new shop who is keen to get positive feedback and publicity, do be careful that doing so will not affect the postage you'll need to pay. Watch the overall weight of the parcel. Remember that postal fees often go up in bands, so even a tiny bit of extra weight might push it over into a higher fee band. Also, be careful that your free items are not going to affect your parcel in any other ways. I'd recommend avoiding including anything edible, unless you're actually selling and sending edible products anyway. Avoid including anything which might pass a smell to your products. I once bought some lovely hand-knitted socks that were wrapped around a bar of soap. The soap was unexpected, and very strong smelling. I had to wash the socks twice before I could wear them. I didn't like the smell at all. And now you're thinking that I'm rather obsessed with smell. Here are a few other items that it may be best to avoid as free gifts. Sweets. I have seen parents complain that it was tempting to their children who were not allowed sweets. Anything you can't normally sell. More than once I've bought an item from a legitimate looking shop only to have it arrive with an extra handmade item that features a trademarked character. If an item is illegal to sell in your shop, it's also not something you should be adding as a freebie either. And anything that may be prohibited. I recently read of a lady who sold lovely candles. She had a lot of problems though when she started including decorated boxes of matches with the candles as a free gift. She meant well, but it was illegal to send matches through the post in her country. Always check. Packaging costs and transport costs. Remember that your postal costs are more than just the postage fee itself. You also need to take into account your packaging materials and any costs of going to the post office, etc. Additional seller protection. Unless you are personally delivering your products to your customers yourself, you have to trust to a postal service to do it for you. Obviously, there are times where, for a myriad of reasons, parcels don't reach their destination safely. 
please, please never put a disclaimer in your shop saying something like, once I post your order, I cannot be held responsible for it. Or, I am not responsible for items lost or damaged in the post. As a seller, you are always responsible for ensuring that your customer gets what they've paid for, or a replacement or full refund if that's not possible. Your customer has an agreement with you. That is, that they pay for the item and you provide them with it. You have a totally separate agreement with the postal service that you choose, that you pay them and they deliver the item to your customer for you. If you are concerned that the parcel may be lost or damaged, it's up to you to take whatever precautions you can to lessen any potential loss to yourself. Your customer is already protected by their payment provider. If you fail to get their parcel to them safely, they can open a case against you with PayPal, Etsy payments or their credit card. If the case is found in their favour, you will have to refund them in full, may have to pay extra and may get a black mark against you, which could affect your continuing to be able to use that payment provider. Ouch. So what should a craft seller do to protect themselves against postal issues? Firstly, be sure your parcels are well packaged and well labelled, and use a reputable postal service. If you do this, you should get very few issues. But if you sell enough items for long enough, you're eventually going to have a lost or damaged parcel through no fault of your own at all, such is life. Insurance and self-insurance Most postal services offer an option for postal insurance, which means they will pay out if the parcel is lost or damaged. This insurance may already be automatically included in the standard postage fees, or require a separate fee to be paid. Be sure to find out how it works for the postal service you are choosing to use. Some postal services will not insure glass products, very large items and so on. But there are third-party companies that offer postal insurance services and may be happy to insure your products. Third-party insurance may also be cheaper in some cases, so worth looking into if you have higher-priced items. Never have an option in your shop for your customer to choose whether they want to pay more for postal insurance or not. There's no logical reason at all why any wise customer will ever choose that option. And as I've already discussed, they don't need the insurance you do. If they don't choose it, you're still responsible for replacing or refunding exactly the same. If you feel the sale is too expensive to risk having to refund if something goes wrong, insure that parcel. You can, of course, include the insurance fee in the shipping costs you charge your customer. Just never ask them to decide this for you. Self-insurance. Of course, for many craft sellers in many countries, paying extra for postal insurance is just not necessary. If you sell, for example, very low-priced items, having to refund a couple a year may be a very small sum. Upping your postal costs with insurance, then passing this to your customer by upping your product prices, may make it hard to compete with other sellers. In this case, a craft seller will usually just self-insure. Self-insuring just means not paying for any extra postal insurance, but budgeting to absorb any losses oneself. If your items are high-priced, then it's usual to have postal insurance. For these items, the risk of losing even one parcel may be too high. 
Remember that in most countries, the postal services are reliable, and the vast majority of properly labelled, properly wrapped parcels will arrive safely. Tracked and signed for. Your postal service may offer other options to protect your parcels on its journey. A popular option is having tracked post. Many big companies such as Amazon seem to do this as standard. And it's free for sellers in some countries such as the USA. Here in the UK, it's quite a bit more than the standard postal fees though. If you can get tracked for free, I'd recommend doing so. If you can show that the tracking says the parcel arrived, payment providers will probably close any cases made against you for lost parcels. Your customer may also appreciate being able to check where the parcel is on its route. I know I rather enjoy this option myself. In the UK, it's common to pay a little extra for a parcel to be signed for by the recipient. Again, this is to prove that it has been safely delivered. So many UK sellers will only send out high-value orders with this option. With new technologies, there are new services arriving. Check your postal services website regularly to see if they offer anything that could help your craft business. Mark as fragile. Postal services usually recommend that you mark fragile parcels as such. This doesn't mean, though, that you can get away with not packaging them up safely. Always assume that a parcel may have to undergo some very rough handling and package accordingly. Marking as fragile means that the postal service may manually process the parcel rather than sending it through machines, or will ensure it's not at the bottom of a big pile of heavy boxes. International Post One of the great things about selling crafts online is it's possible to offer them to people all over the globe. Once upon a time, that would have been almost impossible to do for a small seller. But selling internationally can have its problems. Many new craft sellers start off selling only to their own country, then add other places when they have a bit more confidence and have done more research. Here are a few guidelines on selling internationally. But of course, bear in mind that different countries have different rules and potential issues. Restrictions There may be additional restrictions on what you can post to another country compared to what you can post within your own borders. Many countries, for example, have strict laws on importing potentially hazardous items, such as edible products, precious metals, plant-based products and chemical-based products, such as some bath and beauty items. If you're not sure, ask at your local post office, check online or ask on online selling forums. Longer shipping times. Shipping overseas may well take quite a bit longer than domestic delivery times. You should be able to get guidelines from your postal services website. Make sure that when you quote probable shipping times to your potential customers that you are cautious. It's better to say a little longer than average rather than underestimate and have to deal with lots of email asking where their stuff is. Don't forget that some shipping methods are a lot slower than others. A lot of overseas mail goes by plane nowadays, but there are still options for ship-based delivery too. If you're going to offer your customers one of these slower, but often much cheaper options, make sure that they are aware of just how slow it's likely to actually be. Import fees. Many countries charge taxes on products being imported from overseas, 
The rates vary hugely, as do the thresholds for how expensive the item has to be for a fee to be levied. Some types of products may be exempt, and others may have extra fees due. Whilst I appreciate that it may be impossible for a seller to know the full details of import fees for all the countries that they ship to, it's worth a few minutes' research into those of the countries you deal with the most. Don't assume that your customer will know what their import fees and thresholds are. Always have a statement in your shop policies or terms and conditions reminding your customers that they are responsible for any import fees and taxes that are levied, not you. If you sell high-priced items, so these fees are much more likely to apply for your customers, be extra careful to warn people as best you can. Whilst you may get one or two people who change their minds and want to cancel once they find out, this may well be much cheaper and easier to deal with than having a bunch of angry customers who don't want to pay the import fees, return their items and badmouth you on social media. VAT Most of the countries in the European Union charge their residents VAT, value-added tax, on items they import from outside the EU borders. A number of other countries also have VAT or similar taxes on foreign imports. The VAT rate varies from country to country. For the UK, it is currently 20%. The threshold for the VAT can be very low. Here in the UK, it's just £15.15. Basically, if I, here in the UK, buy an item costing £100 from outside the EU, I will probably get a VAT charge of 20%, which is £20, plus an additional £8 fee that the post office levies for handling this. That means that my £100 item will cost me a whopping extra £28. Many, many people are totally unaware of these charges. In the EU, VAT is already added to the displayed prices of items for sale. Therefore, one does not notice it in day-to-day -day purchases. If you sell to the EU from elsewhere, please be mindful that your customers really may not know about this, and it may be a big shock to them when they realise they'll have to pay so much more to get their items. Many non-EU sellers will send EU customers a friendly warning when they buy, so they can change their mind and cancel if necessary. And this is, in my opinion, excellent customer service. Required documents and customs forms. Be sure you are aware of any extra paperwork or labels that your parcel will require before posting to foreign countries. Many international parcels will require a customs label. On this, you declare what the parcel contains, how much it weighs, and, usually, how much it's worth. There may be more or less information required. Always be honest on these labels. They are legal documents, and there can be significant fines for falsifying information. In particular, be aware of the area of the customs form that asks you to tick what nature the contents are. If you are posting products you have sold, then you should tick merchandise or something similar. Do not tick the option that says gift unless the item is a personal gift from yourself to someone. If your recipient has paid you, it is not a gift. There are sellers in many countries who will routinely tick the gift box 
for all products they sell overseas, and you may have received some of these yourself. They do this because the thresholds for import taxes may be much higher or even non-existent for gifts than they are for merchandise. You may well get customers who ask you to tick the gift box on the customs form for this very reason, because it could save them money. But please be aware that it is illegal to do so. It's a form of tax evasion. If anyone asks you, just be polite but firm. Check addresses. You may not be familiar with the format of addresses for countries other than your own. If you think it looks strange, you can check by typing them into Google Maps and seeing if it can find the place. If it can't, you can contact your customer to ask them if the address is correct. It's better to ask than have the parcel lost in the ether. After sending parcels to a particular country a few times, you'll soon get familiar with their style of address layout. Some handy hints. In a future episode, I'll be talking about what to do if things go wrong with posting, such as a missing parcel or a damaged product. Remember that it takes time to package up a parcel, as well as to take it to the post office or however else you dispatch it. It can be easy to overlook this when accepting orders at busy times of the year. Ensure you keep some money available for paying for postage, if you do so in person at a post office, etc. There may be a delay between receiving the product payment from your customer and the money actually getting into your own bank account. Oh, here's one that I see in online selling forums regularly. Don't assume you know what your customers can or cannot afford. Whilst you may bulk at paying £20 shipping for an item costing only £5, your customers may not. I have sent out many, many parcels that had far higher shipping fees than the item price. If your items are unique to you, special, high quality, or just really, really desirable, you may be surprised at how many people are very happy to pay what it takes to get them. Don't sell yourself short and assume otherwise. You could be missing lots of sales. Similarly, you may be tempted to assume that no one outside of your own country would ever want to buy from you because of high postage fees. When I started my antique dog print shop, I assumed the bulk of my sales would be domestic. I hesitated to offer international postage, as it didn't seem worth working it out, etc. Well, most of my sales have gone overseas. If I hadn't taken the chance and added the international shipping options, I'd have lost a lot of money. So don't be afraid to offer options like this. Let your customers decide whether they can afford it or want to pay it. Remember that you'll be paying a postage charge based on the weight of the packaged up parcel. Be sure to take all your packaging into account when working out the postal cost, so you correctly charge your customers. Do regularly check out your postal services websites. They often have lots of great advice to help you get the most from their services. Finally, remember that packaging a parcel can take quite a bit of space. If you're planning on adding larger products to your shop, consider in advance where you'll actually wrap them. I have a friend who has a little shipping station under her dining room table. Here she has a wide expanse of clean floor to work with, and is not in anybody's way. I'd love to hear your own hints, tips and stories about posting crafted items. Oh, and don't forget the competition from the last podcast episode doesn't close until the 31st of May 2019. All you need to do is go to the show notes for episode 29 on the Tin Teddy blog, 
then add a comment with your ideas for monetizing your craft blog or comment on the ideas that I gave in that episode. It's free and easy, and there are five copies of my book, Make It, Blog It, Profit, Blog Post Ideas for Craft Sellers, up for grabs. Someone has to win, and it could easily be you. As usual, there is a full transcript of this episode on the Tin Teddy blog, together with links to articles and items mentioned. The next episode of the Craft Seller Success Podcast, episode 31, is called Etsy SEO, Tags and More, Getting Found on Etsy. Every day I see sellers posting in the Etsy forums, upset that they have set up shops on Etsy, but are not getting any sales. In the vast majority of such cases, a quick look at their shop shows that they're not using Etsy SEO. In other words, they're not doing the things that Etsy says we must do if we want our items to be found in their search. In this episode of the podcast, I'll explain in plain English what you need to do, why you need to do it, and lots of little hints and tips to get your stuff found and selling. It'll be out on the 11th of June 2019. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Craft Seller Success Podcast. Check out www.tinteddy.com for more craft seller resources. Until next time, bye. The Craft Seller Success Podcast from Tin Teddy, featuring Deborah Richardson. For original music by Matthew French. <laughs>